Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. On today's episode, I'm joined by Nicola Street. Uh, she's a postpartum doula based in Auckland in New Zealand. And she had a really, uh, she has a really unique story because um, she's got three children, and uh, the first two, um, the fir- her first two postpartum experiences, she um, had a lot of support from her mother, who is a midwife. Um, and during her third pregnancy, her mother passed away from a terminal illness, uh, so she experienced her third postpartum without the support of her mum. Uh, and also experiencing a profound amount of grief. And this is something that has really shaped the work that she's doing with women and the support that she's offering women in postpartum. She actively supports women in the same way that her mother did. And it's really beautiful to see how her mother has uh, shaped her own life and really influenced the path um, that Nicola is on. And, um, yeah, she's doing beautiful things um, as a legacy to her mother. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And um, if you have uh, experienced grief during postpartum, um, then I think that, you know, you're really going to get something out of today's episode. Um, I'll leave Nicola's details in the show notes so you know where to find her. And as always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review and even write some nice words in a review if you've got a bit of time. Thanks. Nicola, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and who's in your life? Yeah, so I'm, um, in, well, I'm a single mum of three. So I've got three kids and they're 10, seven and three, nearly four. Um, and I'm a postnatal or postpartum doula based in Auckland um, and also just like online as well. Um, and I've been speaking a lot about like parenting as a single mum and also parenting through grief as well, just my experiences with with that and um just yeah I'm really passionate about sort of that area of work just in the postpartum period and yeah changing that for women yeah so um how long have you been a single mum for so it's been what are we now July so it's been nearly it'll be two years this December okay yeah um and so obviously you've had a lot of experience being or experiencing postpartum yourself three times over. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, 
you know, what postpartum was like for you and I suppose how each of them may have been different or maybe they were the same. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no. So with my first, I was uh, 22 when I had him um, and I was living at home with my own mum and my partner at the time. Um, I think I stayed there. I think he was seven months old when we moved out. Um, And my mum was a midwife as well. Mm-hmm. So I had this live-in, really, really supportive person, and yeah. she, you know, come home and um, help out with just like baby care, like giving him baths and just kind of reassuring me all the time. Mm. So that experience was really amazing because even though I was quite an anxious first-time mum, I had that uh, almost on-call care. <laughs> yeah, because she was an independent midwife or community midwife, so she'd be off doing her work and quite busy but she'd always there'd always be someone coming home and just helping me out with things Mm. um and the second time round was sort of similar I wasn't living at home but again I had her um you know and she'd come and pop in after work or bring food around or groceries or just come and help with baby care and things like that Mm -hmm. um and then the third time round was really different because Ruby was born six months up, <clears throat> six months after my mum had passed away. Mm. So it was my first experience, obviously, with like giving birth without my mum because my mum had was my midwife for my second, but um, her and her friend had kind of partnered with my first, my first. Mm-hmm. But she'd been there at the deliveries of my other two. She'd actually delivered my second child. Oh wow! Yeah, and so third time round was going into this experience without her for the very first time. Um, mm. So there was that element that was really new and really big and scary. Um, but then also going home and not having that person. Yeah. And I had a really fantastic midwife and she'd known mum. So that was quite nice. And she was really understanding of that situation, but it's different when it's not. Yeah. When it's not your mum. When it's not your mum or it's not someone that is coming round. Cause I mean, midwives in New Zealand are really short staffed as well. So Mm. they don't have the time to spend. Yeah. A long period of time with you. So there was, um, I just, I noticed that lack of support Mm. and I think it's kind of put me in a, like a, I guess a unique position of having had postpartum experiences with that support and then Mm. losing that support and going through it without it. Yeah. Um, And just being aware of how that can affect you as a, as a new mother, even if it's not your first time round and how vital that support is. Yeah, that's going to make the work that you do with other mothers um, so much more valuable because you've had both experiences of being really supported and then um, not as not as well supported. I'm so sorry about your mother. That's heartbreaking. It is, and it's. I mean, I mean, I think grief on its own anyway. It's really hard, and then when you're having to be a new parent and. Mm. You've, it's 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 just like the weirdest thing as well because you're so sort of deeply in love with this new baby um but you've also got this really big grief sitting there as well and it's just like a really split kind of split between these two really big emotions the whole time yeah. 
And then also carrying like my other two children's grief as well, because they'd lost their nana. So it was just mm. this big uh, experience for all of us. Yeah, that's full on. Did you have um, good emotional support for the for your third child? Yeah, so I've got three sisters who I'm really close to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, at the time, we all lived quite close by. Um, obviously, they were all working. So it's it's always hard to, you know, when people have got to go back to work and things. But um, my husband at the time then as well left back to Australia uh, when our daughter was, I think she was two weeks old. Because oh, wow. he had to go back to Australia and look for a job because we were moving back to Perth because we'd moved home to Auckland to care for mum. Mm-hmm. And so he, I was on my own with three kids when she was two weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really big challenge as well. And it kind of, but it also, I was able to really like tap into the kind of parenting tools that really helped me as well. Like I got really into like baby wearing and co-sleeping because I was doing what I had to do to yeah. get through yeah. So I found these really great tools that I'd kind of used before, but it was wasn't until it was like I Necessary. needed these things. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, how like game changing that those are. Yeah, because sometimes I think, well, f- for me, I only have one child, so baby wearing was great because you know it helped him to sleep, but and it was great to have two sort of spare hands, but. Yeah. It, I didn't have to do those things, but yeah, if you've got more than one kid, baby wearing is game changer it's fantastic yeah <laughs> just being a let popper in and just go off and do all the other things that I needed to do yeah so with um your first two postpartum experiences did you um have any sort of plans like did you plan for your postpartum no not at all um I think because I, I mean I'd done antenatal classes with my first um, and they were just like the ones that were run through the hospital and I don't think we went over postpartum at all really I think it might have been quite brief but it was really just about the birth and then mm. there's not really much told to you about what to expect after you come home and I remember with my first my breastfeeding experience was really difficult yeah um I think it took six weeks to actually get the feeding sorted. Yeah. So what Um, sort of things were happening there for you? So I had really bad cracked nipples, which were like bleeding with feeds. And um, it was just really, really painful. Um, And I think it was to do with, I hadn't latched them on properly at the beginning. Mm. And it had kind of snowballed into this bigger issue. And it eventually came right, but I wasn't prepared for how hard breastfeeding was going to be either. Yeah. And how often they feed and mm. I know, and that's the thing, you don't get really get told that stuff in um in birth classes or antenatal classes. <laughs> it's no. you know, the focus really is on on the birth and then that's sort of it. So Yeah, and um I think there's a lot of focus too on once you know, once your baby's born, the focus kind of shifts quite quickly onto the baby and the baby's care, and I think mums get left to the side a little bit. Mm. Um and I think because I obviously didn't have that experience the first two times around because I had my mum, but then going with my midwife who was kind of just doing her job and having to go on and do other things. It was really noticeable that shift to. Yeah. And so how was your mum in terms of, um, you know, helping you breastfeed and supporting you in that way? Oh, she was really amazing. So she, 
um, helped me. Like we had to, I had to end up with nipple shields with the first, with my first son. So she helped me with those and she'd be feeding me and like mm-hmm. always bringing me food and drinks on the couch. So, and just, and, but also just reassurance. Like I'd be sitting there and I remember like, I think it was around that six week mark when he was just feeding constantly. And I was just mm. like, this can't be normal. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, no, yep, it is like, which yeah. sometimes I think you just need that reassurance that it's yeah. normal. And um, you probably didn't have to sit there and Google everything like a lot of new mums do and get really no. terrible information. <laughs> no, exactly. And she was really good all through the pregnancy with that stuff. So, mm. but I think, yeah, that's obviously not everyone's experience. Mm. Um, and I reached out into a, a mum's group a few months ago asking about how women had experienced postpartum in New Zealand. And the answers were just really heartbreaking, like what mm. people are experiencing and how women have been left without information and without support and going home and just... Mm. You know, I was getting messages for like three days just from women, just like. What um, sort of what sort of things are they saying? So a lot was saying about how it became. They felt like it, once the baby was born, that the care just dried up and that um, that care and support disappeared really quickly, or that it became just like box ticking. Was like a lot of lot, mm. um, a lot of women said. Um, and like our child health nurses, I think were quite hit and miss. I think people were having either got quite a good experience or a really poor experience. Mm. And then again, with like the midwife shortages, I think people were feeling maybe not prepared for that lack of support, which is through no fault of the midwives. I just think we have a system that is short staffed. and mm. It's really similar in Australia too. Um, yeah. Um, I was going to, I had something written down. I can't think where I put it, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of them. I mean, some women were saying that, you know, they'd have appointments cancelled quite frequently because something would come up and then there's no one to cover or if women are living rurally as well, that was another issue because they weren't being able to get to appointments or having Mm. to drive like two hours to get to an appointment and yeah, very Um, focused on baby, but not mum so much. Yeah, and I mean, that's why the work that you're doing is super important because I guess you kind of help to um, bridge the gap between um, yeah the lack of support. That's where I kind of feel postpartum dollars have such an important role because I think it helps everybody. Mm. I think it kind of alleviates that stress for the midwives, but it brings in that support that mums really need and yeah. just aren't getting. And so just jumping back a little bit. So how did you go with breastfeeding your second and third child? Yeah, second and third were a lot better. Um, I think I remember my second, he latched on. Like he literally was born and <laughs> I put him onto my chest and he latched on straight away. He was, mm-hmm. um, and I think the third was, she was similar as well. She had ended up with a shoulder dystocia at birth. So she had to be resuscitated and, um but luckily there were no issues and so her one was I think she took a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um but again I had you know my midwife at the time was quite good and I was able to have a couple of nights in hospital and just really get settled before I went home and got back into 
the routine of motherhood. Mm. And what, well, obviously I was going to ask you what's, what were some of the challenges that you had in postpartum? And I'm assuming that um, the challenge of not having your mother with you for your third child would be an enormous challenge. Um, yes. What are some of the other things that you found challenging with, um, with your other kids as well? Um, I think for me personally, it was, it was kind of the isolation, I think, was a really big one. Um, and kind of wanting to go and do things and socialize with people, but being stuck at home with a small baby Mm. can be quite overwhelming. Um, With my second and my third, actually, I had moved to Australia both times quite soon after birth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my second was, I think, two months old when we moved and Ruby was about the same. Mm -hmm. So did Um, you have um, friends or family in Australia when you moved? So first time round, we knew a couple of people and my husband had some family over there. Um, He had some aunties over there who were really amazing. Um, And we made friends once we were there, but that kind of initial moving over there was quite tough. Just Mm. moving away from family um, was really hard. And then also moving back to care for mum was quite hard as well because it was these big changes with all these kids. Mm, Absolutely. And then, yeah, I think, but I think the third time around was definitely the hardest experience out of all of them because there was so much other stuff going on. Mm. And even now, I mean, she's she's nearly four now and I feel like I'm still dealing with the effects of how hard it was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's so much going on there and so many different emotions and grief obviously played such a huge role in everything, so... It's, I don't think it's the sort of thing that's just going to, you know, there's no switch to flick that, you know, things are just going to get no, better. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I guess that goes for a lot of people that are experiencing any kind of loss or trauma after birth or traumatic birth. I guess it affects you. Um, so your mum was a midwife and you're a postpartum doula. Yeah. Did you kind of intentionally follow in her footsteps a little bit or I think I did I mean I was a nurse before this like but I was a I worked in the newborn intensive care unit Uh, okay um and then I took time off to have um my second and then we moved to Australia and then it just got too hard to get back into shift work but I'd always planned to go back and then I thought well maybe I'll become a midwife and go back and do that Mm -hmm. um but with having small kids that was a bit of a challenge as well and then the dynamo doula course I was looking at for ages and I thought well that's a good place to start even if I don't become a midwife oh this information is going to be really amazing to use anyway Mm. Um, and then I just kind of really quickly fell in love with the idea of doula work and that postpartum care because I think it's such a forgotten area yeah and it can be, you know, it's not like doing shift work. It can be really flexible and you can sort of make yeah. it work around your lifestyle as well. So it's um, yeah, probably going to be better suited for you as well. Yeah, definitely. I can always go back to midwifery at some point. Mm. Um, what were some of the joys for you in postpartum? Um, joys for me, I think, have always been 
I mean, I love babies anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> You're in the um, wrong industry if you don't. <laughs> yeah. So just like having a new baby is always really amazing. But um, I have always, I've loved breastfeeding. I've loved that part of it. Mm. Um, I've loved like co-sleeping. That's been really amazing. I've loved like having, watching my kids have siblings and mm. um, grow up together. That's been really cool. I did a bit of um, stalking of your Instagram last night and I saw a beautiful photo of you in your wedding dress feeding, I think it was your son? Yes, that was my second son. Oh, yeah. Oh, so he would have been 16 months old then. <laughs> so amazing. Did you plan your, did you get a breastfeeding friendly wedding dress or did, did that oh, just work out the it way it did? just worked out. I remember... Um, it was kind of after like everyone had eaten and he was just really upset and I was just like I don't know what to do like mm. there were so many people around I was like should I just feed him mm. yes and my mum was, was like yep just feed him <laughs> sat me down on a seat and yeah him and right down um I think that was just before because she she um was organizing for someone to pick him up so she was like just feed him now it's fine mm-hmm. that's so good it's a beautiful photo yeah it is <laughs> I'll, um, I'll share it on my Instagram with your permission. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, what were some of the unexpected things for you in postpartum? Um, like one of the big ones was the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just being anxious about so much stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess an element of that's normal when you become a mum because you've got this like other person to worry about. But mm, What sort of things were you anxious about? Um, I remember with my first, it was just stuff like just going out on my own for the first time and just taking him out. Um, I actually got my mum, I waited for her to have a day off to come out with me for my first time. So I was like, I can't do it on my own. Mm. Um, I think the things I weren't prepared for was how hard it was, I think, because it's always... I mean, I've always been around babies. My mum fostered babies when we were little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got three sisters and, you know, my mum has been a midwife. So it's always been a big part of my life. Yeah. So you kind of expect it to just happen and go really easily and really naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard. And I don't, and I think people still, I mean, even now it's still hard to talk about when it's hard because I think we want to look like we've got, We've got it under control. Yeah. And if we don't, it's like, you know, I've heard that, well, you know, you, you, you're the one that wanted these kids. So why are mm. you asking for help? And Yeah. That's a common thing that people say. And it's um, yeah, super unhelpful. Like, of course you wanted to have children. Um, yeah. But it's that also doesn't, really hard. Yeah. That doesn't take <laughs> away the difficulties. And also we don't have that village anymore. You know, we don't have. No. The, our 10 family members living with us well most of us don't <laughs> um yeah no exactly it, for that it's support. not meant to be done we're not meant to be doing it alone the way we are yeah um and so many of us are mm. and just what you were saying there about being anxious about leaving the house with a baby I think um you know that's such a common thing to feel anxious about because it's huge and it, there's so much preparation yeah. involved and I know I'd certainly felt that way too. And it, and it took, yeah. it's almost like you just sort of have to do it and then 
yeah, I remember getting home a couple of times from a few outings and being like, oh, okay, I did it. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that bad. Yep. You just sort of have to prove it to yourself. Yeah. Like I, I remember being anxious about not being able to use the pram, like get the pram out of the car and mm. set it up. Just like little things like that, which now I wouldn't think twice about, but at the time and that new, I think he was like three weeks old or four weeks old when I first took him out. Mm. And even giving him his first bath, I had, had to have my mum there with me. Mm. Just like she was just standing there, but I was just like, I just need you to be here with me. Yeah, of course. You know, just so I can give it a go. And yeah. then after that, it was fine. But there was all these like big first things that mm. having someone just being there and just reassuring you was just really helpful. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so tricky to sort of get used to new life with a baby. But I yeah, I feel like as soon as you kind of start taking little steps, it becomes sort of almost second nature. Yeah, um, no, it does. And so what was the transition like for you from your sort of former life to motherhood? Uh, it was big. <laughs> I, I mean, that part I think happened quite naturally for me and that I went from like <clears throat> going out quite frequently on the weekends and um, I was like living in a flatting situation and really quickly into this because I was 21 when I got pregnant mm -hmm. and I was in the middle of my nursing degree um yep. so it was this big like curveball that life had thrown me um so I was on birth control when I fell pregnant with him mm -hmm. so it was a really big change but um it was quite easy for me to step into I know my partner really struggled with that life change it was really yeah. hard for him because we were so young, um, but for me, it was it was more just something that I kind of naturally just settled into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, 21, 22 is such a young age to have a baby. Mm. Did you have many friends that had kids or were you sort of the first one? No, I remember one, a girl I'd gone to school with had reached out to me and she had her son, um, a few months before I did. So we caught up once they were born and uh, I got back in touch with an old friend who'd had, um, I think her daughter was born maybe six months after my son. Mm -hmm. So once I was, once I'd had him, I sort of connected with a few people, but we were definitely the first out of, you know, those, those group of friends from school. Mm -hmm. And did you have a um, a mother's group or did, I don't know how it works in New no, Zealand. Um, no, I'd gone to, yeah, I think Tyler was the only one I went to antenatal classes with, but I never really, they were all a lot older, mm -hmm. a lot older, but they were sort of, I feel like everyone was in a different life phase than I was. Mm -hmm. um, they were all married couples and at a different point than I was. Yeah. So I didn't stay in touch with them after the class is finished um and with my second though I, I joined a group in Perth um and met some really amazing people from that which was really cool yeah and that was one of like the natural parent groups so it was I think it was people that already had a lot in common anyway so it was quite yeah. easy to kind of fit in there and it was quite a small group when it started yeah and that's good too because it can be a bit um a bit difficult to connect with people if they're 
you know, doing things a different way to you and you might not really have that much in common. So I suppose if you know it's a a natural um, parenting group, (laughs) you kind of know what you're in for. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I made some really good friends from that group too. That's good. Um, And so you talked, you mentioned co-sleeping. So how did you kind of start that? Like, was it something you did straight away with your first baby or did you sort of, how did it come about? (laughs) So, yeah. So with my first, I had him just in the bassinet right next to my bed. Um, But I remember waking up lots to check that he was breathing. Mm -hmm. So I'd be doing the, like putting my hand on his chest and just making sure. And I felt like I wasn't getting that much sleep. Mm -hmm. And then also waking up to breastfeed really frequently and yeah. I'd learned to feed lying down so I could get some rest and I remember sitting up one night and my mum came home from work and she walked into the bedroom and I was sitting on the edge of the bed just crying because mm. I was so tired um and just really overwhelmed and she just showed me how to do it she was like just pop them into bed with you mm-hmm. you know and so we made sure you know it was obviously done safely like made sure the space was safe and then I kind of never went back from there (laughs) because it was just so much easier. And that's the thing, like we don't get shown how to co-sleep or shown that, you know, there's a safe way to do it. We just get told not to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad, don't do it. And then for me, I think it's saved my sanity so Mm. much because I was just getting that much more sleep. Yeah. And not having to physically get up every single time was Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and so that sort of continued with your other kids as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ruby <laughs> Ruby will be four next week, actually, and she's still in with me. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done a few nights in her own bed, but she's not really that interested yet. And because it's just me, it's not, it's not such a big deal. Yeah, and that's the thing. If it works for you, then do it. I mean, co-sleeping yeah. doesn't work for everyone. No, I, found I, it, I found it good sometimes and then other times, you know, not ideal. Um, but that was more about an issue of space. Like if we had a huge bed, that would be amazing. (laughs) Like a double king size or something would be awesome. Some amazing like co-sleeping beds. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, but that's true. I mean, it works for me because I'm on my own. So there's not, I don't have to worry about like another adult in the bed or. That being said though, even if you do have a lot of room, they, they tend to sort of cling to you. Well, my son does. (laughs) She ends up on my pillow, like right pressed up against my back. Yeah. <laughs> Every night I'm trying to move it over to the other side and then she'll roll back. Roll back. But <laughs> it works. I mean, yeah, she sleeps through and I sleep. So yeah, it works for us for now. And you get told those stories like, oh, they'll never sleep on their own and, you know, um, yeah. creating and a rod for your own back. And oh, I remember saying yeah. to people, well, I, I can't imagine I'm going to be sleeping in my bed with my 18-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> Like I mean, at some point he will move on. <laughs> yeah. My, my boys, I think were three each time. Cause that was by the time I had like another baby. So mm. I think cause Ruby's the youngest, it's not been this big, Oh, you need to get up. Yeah. There's, so I haven't really forced it too much, mm. but yeah, I mean, I think that's with everything. Like don't breastfeed them to sleep cause you'll create a bad habit or don't rock them to sleep. And I just think all those things, are so helpful though yeah they're the things that work yeah um why would you stop doing it 
Yeah. And it's all about um, making sure mothers lose their sense of intuition and gut feeling so that you go and buy the product, Yeah, the miracle product that will help your child sleep through the night, whether that's a a book or a toy or a... So many different sleeping products. Yeah. It's all about making money. And yeah, Yeah. that's something that I try and talk about to to mums all the time because it just really annoys me (laughs) it does to me too and because I feel like because we've lost that like natural instinct with sleep that people now every you know it's like this everyone thinks there's a problem with their baby because they're not sleeping when actually Mm. it's just normal and we just need the support to cope with that absolutely but we're not given that support we're just told oh well you know if there's something wrong let's fix Mm. Yeah. What we really need is ways to do that in a supported way. Because mm. it's hard being sleep deprived. It really is. It's not a good thing for anyone, but I feel like there's ways that can be supported as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, were there, uh, what I was going to ask was, um, yeah, so obviously you've experienced postpartum during grief and a huge loss of your mother. Um is there anything, any sort of advice or any sort of, yeah, any sort of tips that you would give to other people experiencing grief um, after the birth of a child or during pregnancy? Because, you know, it obviously mm-hmm. happens. We don't hear a lot about it, but. Um, yeah, no, I, it's a hard one too. I think, um, I think one of the biggest things is just, being really open and honest with your feelings um, and if it helps to write them down to write them down I mean I've started talking a bit more about it now and I think the first time I posted about it I was really um I don't know if self-conscious is the right word but just it felt really vulnerable to share that Mm. but I think it's also really important to do that Mm. to get it out and to not be afraid to feel especially when you've got other kids I think we tend to want to protect our kids and not um maybe be honest with our feelings but I'm quite honest and open in front of my kids so yeah which I think in turn has enabled them to do so as well and yeah and it's okay for them to see that if you're sad or angry or upset because that's their normal emotions um to have yeah and I mean grief grief is huge um it's such a I mean she died this was 2016 she passed away but I it's Mm -hmm. it's a huge thing to to go through and I think because she was so sick as well and caring for her um and being there when she when she died so Mm. there's all this this big thing that you take with you um but yeah, I, I think the advice would be to be open with it and to talk about it and to accept help. I know I can be quite bad with that. Mm. Um, and I'm really bad at asking for help. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm working on getting better at. But that's a big one because I think people don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think sometimes when um, when people think about asking for help, they think it's it's going to show people that they're not, that they're not coping and that they're a, yes. you know, potentially a bad parent, which is yeah. so not true. 
Oh, I, that's been a big thing for me. It's like I didn't want, I think because especially when I became a single mum, I, I, I was like, I've made this choice to become a single mother. So I don't want to then turn around and be like, oh my God, this is really hard. Because mm. I didn't want people to be like, well, you know, I told you so. Or like, yeah, it is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a big, it's big being vulnerable. Mm. when you're a mum it really is um have you sort of I'm just sort of thinking of this now you know your mum cared for you in postpartum and and probably during pregnancy yeah she cared for you in a lot of circumstances but yeah you know when you were um bringing life into the world and then it's sort of come full circle with you caring for her yeah um, before she passed and that seems like such a, a bittersweet experience and but a beautiful one as well yeah I thought about that a lot because she um she had a terminal illness so she Mm. had something called multiple system atrophy so she gradually lost all her body systems Mm -hmm. so she got to the point where she couldn't move um so it was really like really caring for her in every way um Mm -hmm. which we were really lucky to be able to do that I mean to be able to be in a position where we could have her at home um her wife was a nurse as well so i think we were in a, a really amazing position to be able to do that we didn't have to put her in anywhere into a hospital we she got to stay at home like right up yep. until the end um but yeah it is it's that full circle which was such a beautiful thing to be able to do for her mm. um because i just I think it's one of the most amazing things you can do for someone, but also she deserved it because she had done so much for so many other people. Yeah. And you created that village around her. Yeah. In the way that she probably did for many people. I think there's such a, like a, this relationship between death and birth, especially. Yeah. I know some cultures in particular really have beautiful ways of dealing with death. I mean, because we celebrated it. It was like a, my mum's side of the family is Māori, so she we brought her body home after she died and we had her at home for, it was about five days. With, mm-hmm. So you all sleep next to the body. So. Oh, wow. And, the, and people would come over and bring food and be feeding you and, you know, there was always cups of tea and, like, you were looked after really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had boxes of food delivered. and There was food everywhere. <laughs> so, And there's such a parallel between that and early postpartum isn't there totally yeah um where you just need to be cared for and yeah you don't want to have to think about yeah food and cleaning and all that sort of stuff no we'd we'd you know we'd go into the kitchen and someone had been over and left food or you know someone was always in the kitchen making cups of tea for everyone Mm, i'm getting chills just hearing this like yeah, yeah just i mean such a sad situation but such a beautiful it um, really is it's so healing too to be able to do that because I just think if she just kind of died and then that had been it and we'd never seen her again it would have been really different but we mm. were able to I mean you spend this time and you sleep next to the body and you I mean at one point we had like a family came around that had known mum and they came around and they were singing songs mm-hmm. and at one point there was like all these kids in there just I remember it so distinctly because there were these we'd put the mattresses away because we'd had people through 
Mm-hmm. And so all these kids were like wrestling on these pile of like mattresses <laughs> in this like room with a body. And it was just like this like room full of people. And there was like music and people singing and yeah, kids. <laughs> kids playing on the mattress. <laughs> yeah. But it's exactly like what mum would have wanted. She would have yeah. loved to have that happening. And how old, how old would your, was your young, you know, your youngest wouldn't have been born then, right? No, no, I think I was 14 weeks or three months or something. Okay. Yeah, so the other two were, I think, six and three. Yeah. Or nearly three. Yeah. So how, they were quite little. How many babies do you think your mum helped welcome into the world? I don't know a number. I wish I did. I'd be <laughs> like, I've got so many questions. I want to ask her about it. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. There might be ways to find out. There might be ways. Um, it would have been a lot. She was, she worked really hard. She was a Maori midwife, which um, there's not many in New Zealand. So mm-hmm. she was always really busy because there's, I think, when I looked it up, I think 10% of the practicing midwives in New Zealand um, are listed as Māori midwives. Mm-hmm. So it's not many. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, you know, went above and beyond for these women. So it was sort of what she lived and breathed, really. Yeah. That's amazing. It's such a beautiful story. Um, sad, very sad story. But yeah. Yeah. I can see when you're talking about her, you light up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She was wonderful. Mm. She really was. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, My handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.